Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. I'm Julie Matheny, Associate Creative Director at Dirk Vive. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 28. I wanted to start today by sharing something that I've been struggling with recently, and that's asking for things I want when it comes to We Are Next. I'll give an example. I was on a call earlier this week with a friend of mine who owns an agency here in Los Angeles, and I was asking for something so minor. And as I was talking, I could hear myself dancing around it. (laughs) And after I finally got it out, he totally called me out on it. He's like, why did it take you so long to just ask what you wanted to ask? And if I can't even ask a friend for something, then how can I ask other people in the industry for things that are going to help make We Are Next better? It's something I know I need to work on. And while totally uncomfortable, it's actually a little bit refreshing to have something that I feel out of my depth in and to have something like a new side of me to work on. I worked with our guest, Julie Matheny, back in New York when we were both pretty junior, and now she's an associate creative director at Droga5. She's part of the team behind all the awesome MailChimp work and the amazing New York Times he said, she said piece that came out after we recorded this, so there's no mention of it, but it's amazing. Not only was it super fun catching up with her and reminiscing, but she also had really solid advice specifically around starting your career, finding your voice, and learning from every agency you go to, even the ones where you feel like you have a bad experience. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Thanks for coming to our Airbnb in New York City. <laughs> no problem, <laughs> kind no of problem. An unofficial, unofficial studio that we're using for the week. Um, we first met because we worked together at Johannes Leonardo. We did, we like, did. How many years ago? Like 2011, 2010? Something, yeah, something know. like that. It was my first job after I moved to New York. So yeah, it must have been right yeah, around then. Yeah, that was my, my second, yeah. Yeah, so we were much more green. <laughs> yeah, we were real young. <laughs> really young and idealistic. <laughs> um, I mean, we can sprinkle like memories from JL throughout, but it's always, whenever, I love, re- I mean, not reconnecting, obviously we've stayed in touch, but I love catching up with people that I used to work with because it's sort of like that you were in the trenches together. Totally. And, and, seeing what you went on to do is always really fun. Especially when you meet when you're younger and you're starting out. Yeah. Because you just, it's, you, you change a lot, but you definitely stay the same in certain ways. So. Yeah, and there's always like the, like, remember those were that were those ridiculous things we had to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, I would love to start at the beginning and hear a little bit about how you made your way into the industry. So can you talk about how you went from, you know, being a student to you know, finding your place in the industry and, you know, your first, your first roles? Totally. Um, well, first of all, I think probably starting at college, um, I was an English major, um, and um, it was pretty classic. Like, I went to William Mary, so it was like very classic English literature and a lot of five, seven page papers about other writers. Um, I always liked writing myself, but didn't really think you could, or really understand how you could make a living at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I remember when my mom asked me when I was like 10 you know, you like writing so much, why don't you be a writer? And I think I said something like, because they're all sad. I don't don't know. I just had this image of like a really, just a really, really sad person squirreling away at a typewriter (laughs) somewhere. And I was like, but I'm not sad. I don't want to do that. Right. Um, But, uh, but no. So, you know, when I graduated, I had no idea what to do. Um, I think, you know, you may be going to publishing, you may be just, 
get a job in marketing. I, I'd always been interested in advertising, but we didn't really have many classes there. Yeah. So um, sort of on a whim, I, I had a friend, like my mom's friend of a friend knew somebody at Shia in LA, mm -hmm. and I went out to talk to him about how to be a copywriter. Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, you need this thing called a book mm -hmm. or a portfolio. And I was like, wow, that seems very difficult. And I don't know how to use any computer programs. Yeah. So uh, he's like, here's a list of schools you could think about. Mm -hmm. And it was just over the summer after I graduated, I applied to, I found Brand Center, um, which was then called Ad Center. And it was very small, like in a you know, much older building at the time. And um, I filled out the application. It was sort of late in the summer. Yeah. It, I did it, I think I pulled an all-nighter on it. I had gone to like a wedding and I um, I had a lot of fun filling it out. Mm -hmm. and I'd never had fun filling out an application before. Right. And I was like, well, first of all, I, I'm probably writing like a crazy person because I'm pulling an all-nighter on this. Right. I drove it down to Richmond, handed it in at like <laughs> oh nine in the morning and was like, I wrote some crazy shit down. So, you know, if they accept me, I got to go because, yeah. you know... Um, it just seemed like it was kind of kismet and you know I got in a week later um, and you know then just went straight from college so uh, my introduction to advertising was pretty much brand center based yeah. it was just the two years that I spent there um, and uh, coming out of there um, I kind of took the summer off and mm -hmm. taught tennis in San Diego mm -hmm. kind of took a break you know going from college to grad school is real really interesting especially if you know, you go to a place like Brand Center, which is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of looked around, you know, got a job at a small digital shop in New York. Um, it's like 15 people. I was the only writer, um, which um, was cool because I, I touched a lot of stuff. But mm -hmm. um, And then from there, you know, went on to, you know, honestly, Narder, which is where we met and yeah. kind of kicked off. Wonder if that like delirium of your all-nighter <clears throat> it was like the secret sauce that they're like this girl. <laughs> I mean, probably. It's really funny because you know one of the things that and I don't know how the application looks now, but at Brand Center, what it used to be, there was a lot of there were a lot of questions to answer. There were a few ads, but like I remember, I didn't even know you needed a tagline. Yeah. And it was like I was drawing, like print ads. You know, That's like amazing. it was all about like print and long copy yeah, back yeah. then still. So it was just like. I, di I didn't put a tagline because I didn't know you needed one. So, I mean, most people got hired, especially in the writing track, not because of their ads, yeah, but because yeah. of answers to other questions that they gave. Right, you know, right. I think I, one of them was like, write a short story in a page that involves this person, this person, and this right. person. And I think you're right, though. I think the going back to your question, the, the delirium of just there was really no time for me to be anybody but who I was yeah. in writing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that that's happened a few different times in my career where like, you know, you pull an all-nighter, you just don't have time to maybe think it through in the way that you would self-edit normally. Right. And uh, I think you might be right about that probably. <laughs> or or it was a really easy year, I don't know. <laughs> They're like everyone in. Yeah. Good job, that. So speaking <clears throat> of Brand Center and Portfolio School, mm -hmm. I'd love to know one thing that you feel like you could not have gotten without Portfolio School. And then on the flip side, something that you feel like you could have. Um, I, the second part mainly because not everyone has the time or the resources to go to portfolio school. So yeah, I'd love to hear like, on both sides of it. Let's see. Um, I think, I, first of all, you know, again, coming out of a background that had nothing to do with advertising, I think just understanding how the business works. Mm -hmm. I think you can get that a lot of places, so you could probably get that in an under, undergrad degree, different places. Um, I think taste, honestly. Mm. I think that, you know, just understanding um, how to write in short and longer formats, um, 
And I think also Brand Center particularly is great conceptually. Like I think they really teach you the difference between an idea and an execution mm -hmm. and um, they kind of make you feel like when you graduate you can do anything. I mean mm -hmm. it's it's really difficult and it's it was like, especially at the time with a lot of the professors they had, particularly for the writing track, it was like a boot camp. I mean you were writing and writing and writing and writing and yeah. nothing was good enough and that part kind of sucked but you also you know, tested your limits of what you could do. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just the training, like honestly learning, learning how to write in a different way. You know, again, like I said, I was used to, you know, sort of fluffy five to seven page papers with lots of adjectives. Right, right. Being concise and to the point and developing a voice. Um, I also think the one thing that they, they did really well there, and I'm sure that they do in other portfolio schools as well, is um, just teaching you that like you, your voice is really important mm -hmm. and like being who you are as an individual and just kind of writing in the way that you know feels natural to you um it, it seems counterintuitive in advertising because you're, you're meant to be empathetic and take on a lot of different sure. tones but there's a way to do that where you can infuse a little bit of yourself into into what you do so i think there's that i think contacts as well right. like just i mean it's really it doesn't it helps a little bit when you're first graduating as a junior because you know brand centers or you know portfolio center or you know circus like they have their alumni networks right. and and that's good but um i think that um the main thing is that uh now i'm starting to realize you know like eight years out it's i'm starting to all the people that i knew from brand center and people that have gone there we all kind of trust each other and so right. if i hear oh this person's over here it's a great place to work right you know, right keeping that so that really starts to come to fruition a little bit more when you're when you're uh, a little bit farther down the line and i would say the last thing probably that it's great just on a very basic level is if you like to write um or you like to you know or you're an art director i mean just pairing you with either a writer or an art director mm -hmm. to put a book together like because yeah. I didn't I don't know how to use Photoshop I still don't I'm terrible right, right. at it you know it's like it just it gives you gives you projects to to put in your book it gives you a resume essentially mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how about thinking back to you first starting out in copywriting were there some hurdles that you faced early on and how did I guess you overcome some of the, the oh, earliest man. barriers so many um <laughs> I know, I guess when we start out, there's like, everything is a barrier. <laughs> Everything's a barrier. I think, you know, it's a mix of a few things. I think that ego, in terms of, it's it's the, it's the weird, It's they used to talk about this at school, it's the genius hack thing, mm. which is like, half the days you feel like, you know, you're a genius, and, well, not half the days, I would probably say when you're starting out, maybe one-tenth of the days you yeah. feel like a genius, the other nine-tenths you feel like a hack. But I think, you know, it's realizing that, the reality of the business versus the fun projects you worked on at school are totally different. Right. You're not, you know, people don't really want, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. Mm -hmm. It's the quality of the work that you could do under, you know, lab-like conditions. Right, right. Very different than out in the real world. For and, sure. you know, a lot, you're solving real problems. So I think that's, that's the big thing is keeping in mind that, like, you are one piece of a giant puzzle. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, so many people do not give a shit about, yeah. you know, this copy or, you know, how creative that is. Um, I think there's that, and I think it's, um, that was a big, that's a big struggle. And I think it's also finding mentorship when you're, when you're younger, you know, it's it's really tough to kind of figure out 
who you want to be and what you want to be. Um, and I think also the first jobs, you know, it's figuring out, am I, do I want to be a little fish in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a big pond, a big fish in a small pond? What's going to set me up for my career? There are just so many questions um, that you have and you're never sure if you're doing it right. So yeah. I think that's, that's, it's always a shock. Yeah, going back to what you said about like projects in school, like spec work versus um, you know real work, mm-hmm. I think about that all the time because, on one hand, you know the school briefs are always going to be ones that seem really like big and sexy and fun because like you know professors want to like, give you that experience yeah. of thinking big and there's value in that for sure, especially when you're learning. But a lot of times when you get out of school, especially maybe at first, like the briefs that you're getting might be much smaller or for a brand that you don't really think is that cool or sexy or anything like that and and plus you have those constraints that you know an actual client would would put on you whether it be budget or you know just their own taste and all that stuff and so I agree I mean it's a very different experience you know and I think it really probably depends on where you come from like the one thing that you know we learned in ad school is like we would actually get a lot of unsexy brands like it was just like they would give us you know the tiniest little thing or you know something and they they really taught us to like embrace the the smaller projects mm-hmm. um i i think that you know we didn't get a lot of like rebrand coke right know? right right um which again brings up a memory of us working having work on <laughs> do you remember that teens brief that yeah. was fun um the like yeah multiple year long multiple year long <laughs> thing we're doing it for 2017 i still i still remember <laughs> it I was like now it's 2017 right it was seven years ago um but no, I think, you know, embracing the smaller projects, and I didn't really understand that until I got out, because I think one of the things that, you know, you just reminded me of was that when you start out and you're a junior, like, you know, when you're in school, you are the writer. You are the right. person. Like, your creative director is maybe your teacher, but, sort I mean, of, yeah. you're, you're, in, you're in control of the deck. You, you kind of lead the project. And as a junior, most places... You know, a few places you get to, they give you the reins, but a lot of times you're doing banner copy. Yeah. You know, you're starting out doing that. And I think that feels like a demotion when you leave, you know? So, um, so that's, so that's tough. It's, that's, that's a, that's a tough thing to kind of, to kind of go from being in control of, of the way things work to, you know, to answering to a lot of other people. So. Right. Um, you mentioned this a little bit earlier in our conversation and I would love to circle back on it the fact that your natural voice Mm -hmm. as I remember having worked with you is (laughs) funny and a specific kind of funny that I think is very specific to you and I remember I think before you were saying at one point you were thinking maybe of going into comedy writing and that was like a potential path and I'd love to dig into a little bit more about how you adjust your voice to fit the needs of your client because obviously not all clients are your specific brand of Right. Of writing. Um, and they shouldn't you... be. God, that yeah. would be boring. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'd love to, I guess, I hear how, how, like, how, how that process is for you. It's, it's still ongoing. I mean, I think it's just, you know, uh, for me, I, I think you, all, all writers probably start out being mimics. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's like you, you, you kind of whatever you like to watch or read, you're like, oh man, I want to do that, Mm -hmm. you know? So early days for me, it was like, you know, I watched a ton of 30 Rock, I watched a ton of British comedy, and I just tried to write like those people, you know? Um, And, you know, it's tough adjusting. Like, there's sort of two theories about it. It's the sort of like, if you're thinking about it, and we're talking about art now, which which is, you know, this is advertising, so please don't, 
in any way think that I'm comparing what these people do to what we do because we're in a business and we sell stuff. So yeah. um, we just like to get away with doing fun stuff occasionally. But um, but you know, there's sort of like the 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 Woody Allen like Spike Lee thing, which is like you are who you are. Every movie that you do is gonna feel like you, right? You know, and some people do that. There's a theory, you know, that's that's basically just like you should do that. And then there's you know, sort of like I don't know if you think of like a Robin Williams or like somebody or like a really good character actor who mm-hmm. can just you know like a Philip Seymour Hoffman for example they right. just they can they use themselves as like prisms for like yeah. you know their voice and for other people's stories to to be told and I think that you know for me I've always kind of gone back and forth on that because it is really rough like it's it's really rough trying to like you know if you get a client <clears throat> that has a totally opposite voice from you it's it's difficult and I think what I try to do is to try to think of like each client as like a person like who is this person and what yep. would this person say and you know is this like what what band is this person like it sounds really silly but right. you know figuring that out then it's easier to kind of to kind of write in that voice and you'll find yourself kind of coming through yeah through in it I mean I think what you were saying earlier about um kind of owning your voice or not being afraid mm-hmm. of your voice at the same time so that you know, when there is a client that comes in or a brief that comes in, the agency can be like, oh, you know, Julie would be perfect for this because we right. we know her voice. Um, whereas someone who maybe just flexes their voice into whatever to fit, you know, whatever client. I mean, I guess it's good too because they're versatile and stuff like that. That's why it's the back and forth, right? right? It's sort of yeah. like, I guess both approaches are okay. But like you would want it, you would want, you know, the the clients that do fit your voice to, to come to you. So, you know, making that no. Right, and it's good to, to, to just be a go-to person for a certain type of thing, which, yeah. you know, I think we all strive to be. I don't think I'm nearly there yet, but I think that, like, you know, um, I don't know. I think one of the other things that's interesting, though, is that, like, you know, the, your voice changes, and, yeah. like, the more... I, it's really cool to do stuff that's not in your voice because then, you know, you can incorporate a little bit of it mm-hmm. into sort of how you evolve um, and what you like to do. I mean, I think, you know, another thing that's interesting is like, I mean, for me, like I'm a writer who likes to write, like I joke around with my bosses all the time about yeah. like, if you want something, you know, if you want something long, if you want a lot of dialogue, yeah. if you want, you know, certain turns of phrase, like, you know, that they sort of come more naturally to me. But, yeah. you know, I mean, a bunch of stuff that we just did for MailChimp, like, especially like the, a bunch of our launch stuff, like had no words, you know? Yeah. And it was like having to play visually and having to be able to right. strike a tone without saying a word. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really cool challenge. So it's, it's really fun to, to kind of, um, to go places uh, that you normally wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's cool. We worked together at Johannes Leonardo, as we mentioned, which it was a fairly small team back then, like under 30 for yeah. sure. I mean, I think they're still like keeping their team like kind of tight, family-like. Um, but you've also worked at some big headcount-wise uh, shops like Deutsch and mm-hmm. Nandroga. Um, what do you think are some of the pros and cons of working in small versus large agencies? And of course, this is like your perspective. Everyone right, has, right. has their own opinions on this. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think I've worked at every size. Like, I mean, and even Venables was like 150 people. So right. it was sort of like in the middle. Middle, yeah. Um, you know, it really, de- I think it's more of, it's also like, it really depends on what point you are at in your career too mm-hmm. and like what clients are on. I mean, I think there are big agencies that can feel pretty small. Yeah. And there are smaller agencies that can feel kind of big. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, one of the things that I would say looking back on the different agencies I've worked at is that, you know, you can, it's not so much about size, it's about just the type of people you're around. And I think that um, you can learn something 
from every agency, even the bad ones, yeah. or the ones that you have, I, I should say, bad experiences at. Right. Um, whether it's, I mean, I've been places where, you know, it's been like, I felt like the creative wasn't great and, you know, was super frustrated with it and didn't really trust a lot of the people around me, but, you know, there was one guy on the team that could sell the shit out of anything mm -hmm. and like okay so my goal now is to like learn how to sell work better you yeah. know and that's it's it's sort of the lessons that you want to learn are never the ones that you always get in the right order if mm -hmm. that makes any sense yeah um so I would say that like one of the things I've learned is just taking what you can from because you can learn stuff from big agencies I mean I think you know make, making yourself stand out in a big agency is difficult and yep. I think that's where voice comes in I think that's where hustling for work comes in right. I think you know that's where also like getting to know people outside of you know the creative department mm -hmm. comes in um, that's a big one um, and then you know you can work on a lot of bigger accounts at bigger agencies yep. so that's an opportunity to do that there and, and smaller shops you know I think it's it's different. It's you get to touch a lot more. You get to be on the ground floor of a lot more. But you know, there there are definitely cons to to that as well. So I think it depends the type of personality you are. If you tend For to sure. if you tend to be a self starter, if you tend to get lost, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love what you said about. Um, oh, I'm just having a brain fart now. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. <laughs> um, what you were saying about oh, not having that a bad experience. You know, you can still take something from because I think it's sort of. Um, frees us up when we're considering like what's our next move obviously we don't want to like make a choice like willy-nilly and, yeah. and just like throw ourselves at an opportunity and you know we want to be considered about our career path but especially when you're first starting out and you're deciding like oh, where should I go like what direction should I take my career even if it's the wrong one to start it's yeah. not going to be the end of the world and you are going to learn something from it take something from it so it, I don't know I think it should be kind of empowering to people that like lifts kind of the weight of oh my god this is like yeah. such a like a final important decision and there's so much pressure when you first start out especially if you go to ad school of you know starting off at the right place right, right. getting the right training and right. you know like and you know there are so many different paths to get to where you want to go yes. And I wish I'd known that kind yeah. of going in, just like not, you know, you you always, it's very funny too, because especially when you graduate with a class, like there are, you know, people who are ahead in the class and there are people that are going to do well and, and it all evens out, you know, yeah. like it's, it's definitely a marathon and not a sprint. And mm. like there are people that you'll see shooting up around you very quickly. And then there are people that'll kind of hold back a little bit and it all kind of shakes out in the end yeah. and I think what you you know some of the more valuable lessons were the ones that I've learned at you know the places that I felt like I wasn't you know creatively fulfilled at all mm -hmm. like I think learning how I mean just learning the politics of advertising which is just I mean it's business politics you yeah. know like it's all the same like we all have to deal with it right um, but just learning how to interact with people learning how to sell an idea learning how to to work I mean a big lesson is like learning how to work with people you totally don't agree with yeah you know, I mean, I think those are all things that you can kind of take with you. And so that's what I would say to like juniors starting out is just like if you find yourself in a position and you will yeah. where you're kind of stuck somewhere. I don't know if, you know, maybe maybe you have moving money that you've been given and right. you're like, shit, I've got two years here. What the hell am I going to do? Or, yeah. you know, maybe you just feel like financially you can't move anywhere um, or you're waiting to. That's another big one um, when you're younger is like waiting, you know, you you want to produce, produce, produce. Yeah. And you want to get quantity over quality. At least you think you do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you, you need to wait until you make something, but you don't see anything around you that's worth right. making. Uh, just figure out, just adjust and figure out another goal, you know? Yeah. 
I think that's kind of the only way to do it. That's such good advice. And I love what you said about other people shooting up around you because I see it so much because I, you know, I do guest lectures at universities, not necessarily portfolio schools, mm-hmm. but even other universities that have undergraduate advertising programs and especially one of the, you know, some of the ones that are really competitive and their you know curriculum is great they have a great um alumni network that's in the industry it's always like where you where did you get a job and like do they want to like when may or june rolls around and and they feel that pressure from their peers you know inadvertently because they're you know some get into big name shops that people recognize and other people don't and i i always tell people too it's like the best place to start your career might not be the agency that everyone knows that's in the trades all the time and I think about my own path too. Like I've worked at three agencies, none of which maybe like anyone would have known. Like if I just, Oh, I work here. It's like, Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's usually the reaction and they're amazing shops and they do incredible work. And I learned a lot and I, I, I feel like I was quote unquote successful in my yeah. career. You know what I mean? So it's like, it just doesn't have any bearing on. It's more about fit than anything else. I think too, like, you know, I think that, that's what you go for. It's yeah. like what they tell you about college, but you don't really believe, especially if you, like, I mean, I went to like a, you know, suburb of New York City, like, yeah. you know, East Coast, everybody's trying to get into Ivy Leagues and everything. And it's like, you, you should really, they really should tell you to focus on the best fit more than, you know, yeah. what's the best school you can get into. Sure. Because first of all, reputation means something, but not as much as you think it does. Yeah. Uh, and kind of only at the right times. And also yes. I think that, you know, shit changes like all what the time. was great I mean I remember the agencies that were considered like yes. the most amazing when I graduated like people are like they're dead now it's yeah. it's done you know and you're like oh god this shit changes every two or three years totally. you know and yet you're totally right that I mean and ones that you know have been around for a while suddenly have like this like resurgence where they yeah. like change it's you're totally totally right I mean that's what's crazy about this industry like it changes every single day and it so, does to put labels on like this is the best agency or yeah. like the worst I mean I don't know how are you finding it though or do, I mean did you do you feel like since you've talked to a lot of people obviously yeah. like I mean are you finding that you know agency name is mattering more or less are you finding that people are looking for different things than say you did you know yeah. six or seven years ago that's like, a good question I, I feel like I don't know if I can say more or less, but I always think it's less than people think. Like yeah. the agency name, yeah. ad- it matters less than people think because it's really about how you talk about what you did and the value that you brought, whether it was on like a huge client name yeah, yeah. or like a really small one. And and if you could, and like, to your point earlier, like if you can talk about the things you learned in an environment that is less than ideal or, you know, is just yeah. smaller or more obscure, I think that's what people really value I mean there will always be certain shops at any given time Mm -hmm. where if you see it on a resume it's sort of like it's a good sign right right? but it's not the deciding factor like this person versus this other person you know what I mean totally I mean I feel like to me what I've realized that matters the most is just that honestly like the people around you yeah do you do you you know trust the people around you I think trust is kind of huge as a creative because if you trust the people around you, then you will take risks and do better work because you're, you know that, well, this might not be my cup of tea and I would not go this way, but these three people that I really respect and think they're great, think this is the way to go. So, you know, I mean, at worst case scenario, it won't be bad, you know, and that's how you find yourself, you know, doing shit you haven't done before. And I think that that's what, I think you tend to be a much more, locked off and a much more afraid creative when you when you 
feel like you have to be the person to push the work. Mm. And if you feel like the people around you, um, you don't trust. So I think that whether that's, you know, it could be a, what is normally known as a mediocre agency or a shit agency. Right. Um, and yet you're in a group where you have a boss or a creative director that you're just like, this person knows what they're doing yeah. and I want to learn from this person. Like you just need to be around people that you trust mm. and people that also see something in you yes. and like can help you. And then you can, I think that's kind of all you need. It's just the people around you. And I think, I think that matters with, you know, with clients. I think that matters with just in life, like friendships and yeah. stuff like that. It's just like be around people that are, it's funny when they use the phrase like-minded because in some ways that's good. You want to have some sort of like, you know, maybe you have the same taste. Sure. Um, but you know, it's good to people to surround yourself with people that are totally different too. Yeah. Maybe the takeaway is like looking farther beneath the name at like more specific things yeah. like the people, like yeah. the culture, like the type of work that they do before really making your decision totally. both ways, like for like an agency no one's heard of, yeah. but also for the big name ones. You've been working on MailChimp. You mentioned that before mm-hmm. putting out such amazing award-winning and press worthy work. And every time something launches, I see you mention your MailChimp client on Mm -hmm. social. Um, And clearly, you have a really great relationship with them. I mean, to like post a picture with your clients and (laughs) be celebrating (laughs) and stuff like that. (laughs) I'd love to know from you what you feel like the keys are to really building a client relationship like that. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, And uh, our team, first of all, I, I think starting with our team, like internally. Like, I think that you know, a lot of people like to, and I have absolutely been guilty of this as well, it's easy to demonize certain clients that you work on and to sort of, you know, even as an agency, like to to say like, well, we wanted to do good work, but they didn't, or you know, it's so easy to do that. And it's like, really is like, it's the, the, the apple that's the easiest to pick. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it really starts with like, do you have internally like a group of people that, you know, are good at communicating with clients and that will say yes to good projects and that will see opportunity where, you know, normally might, it might look like a small one-off mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I think, you know, um, I think I learned a lot about, you know, starting to build client relationships by a lot of the people around me, you yeah. know, a lot of my team, um, the higher ups, you know, at, at Droga too. And also in previous, previous jobs, you know, learning, learning how to kind of, um, make sure that everybody realizes you actually are on the same team. Everybody likes to say that, like, oh, we're all in this together. And, right. But it's recognizing you're on on the same team, but you do have different goals. And I think that, you know, not having empathy for, you know, what a client wants to get done and their yeah. goals and objectives. Like, it's really, it's really easy as a creative to just be like, man, we just want to do good work. Yeah. Like, because really that's what matters in your book, right. you know, like it does. And solving business problems, that's great. But, you know, you want to do stuff that gets your rocks off and that's really fun to do. Right, right. And, you know, clients want to grow their business. And that doesn't mean that it's it's sort of the same thing. It's acknowledging, like, that doesn't mean that they don't want to do cool creative work. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, you know, on the same token that we don't want to solve business problems, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody wants to do all of that. It's just the priorities are a little bit shifted. So mm-hmm. I think one of the big things is, you know, if you have – clients that you know you are lucky enough like you know we have with MailChimp that have really great taste and that push us to do really cool things and they can truly be partners with you in that then um working together as much as possible like I think bringing in bringing them in at early stages of ideas I mean it was super unorthodox and it still is the way that we work with MailChimp like we're pretty you know um 
we talk a lot in early stages about stuff and yeah. and um, you know they're they're really involved and we want their opinion we welcome their opinion I hope they would feel the same about us mm-hmm. but I mean you know I think they have they have really great taste and they're decent people who trust the people around them I mm-hmm. think again it's that trust keeps coming up again and it's yeah. just it's trust and respect and you know they trust that hopefully that you know we bring something to the table and you know we trust that they um, are a great company that likes to do great work and um, so yeah I mean it's it's been really fun they're a really really great group of people I mean I feel like they you've probably gotten to know them more on a personal level having you know traveled with them for yeah. shoots and like um, you know celebrating awards and stuff like that and I'm always I remember back to when I was first starting out and you know you have a little bit of client interaction when you're when you're a junior and increasingly more as you go through your, your career and one thing that I always found difficult for me was that aspect of you know oh we're taking the clients to dinner and we're all going to sit around and, and you know you, yeah. you have to like kind of like not entertain but you're just like you know totally just like carry on a conversation and you want to like come off as smart but not too stiff I always found that at least at the beginning like very difficult to navigate. it is it still is like it's one of those things where <laughs> you know um it's funny especially like I remember just starting out my first agency um just when you're first invited to a client dinner yeah. and you're like, do I talk a lot? Yeah. Do I talk a little bit? I want them to get to know me, yeah. but I don't want to be the person that's like talking all night long. And yeah. I'm a talker, so like yeah. that's just, you know, it's just kind of who I am. I will talk to anyone and everyone. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that's, that is, it is kind of stressful. Um, and I think the more, you know, I guess from what I've seen, because um, I can't really see myself in those situations right. actually, um, <laughs> I think from what I've seen is it's just, again, being respectful and um, being yourself. Like, I think, you know, yes, you're representing the agency. Yes, you know, this is sort of, it's always an honor, especially in the beginning when you're you're tasked with doing that and when you're, you know, you're among the people at the table um, getting to comp a nice dinner at a steakhouse somewhere. Right. Um, (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it's, um, it's, it's, trying to remember what your original question was I just I guess I'm just always in awe of especially like people in account management the ones who are like so good at it it's just like very natural to them to like become almost like like seemingly their BFFs like for at least for the dinner right right it is sort of a false it's sort of a false setup at the beginning too and you hope it turns into a real thing you know like you hope like like now you know because you know I've I, I think also the MailChimp thing because it's a really small team. Yeah, yeah. And we have, like, we've shot abroad a lot and we've, you know, traveled a lot. Um, I think that we've, and we've had sort of the same group of clients kind of rotating in the nice. same yeah. sort of creatives on it. Um, you know, you do get to a point where hopefully it's not false and, yeah. you know, you, you have uh, similar experiences. I mean, you know, we've been to London, Prague. Paris, Jamaica together. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that's it's a wide swath right. of memories. But At yeah, a certain no, it's point, tough. yeah, like the walls probably do come down a bit. It's just like getting there in the right way because you don't want to like the first dinner like be like revealing yeah. all these things. About yeah, yeah, yourself. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. I used to get really nervous about that. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's funny. <laughs> um, so your title now is associate creative director. And I wanted to hear from you whether that title and the responsibilities that come with it pose any sort of new challenges as you, um, you know, stepped into it. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I think one of the first things is um, 
I was talking with one of my bosses about this. It was just like, I mean, not everybody who is a creative wants to be a creative director. I think it's very funny. Like I had a friend who has been, um, who works at an amazing shop and she's been offered a creative director title like three different times on great accounts and she doesn't want it. Yeah. And we were all like, you're crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is, this is awesome. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? She's like, man, I just like to write. I just, Mm -hmm. I just want to do, she's like, I don't want to manage up. I don't want to deal with bureaucracy. I don't want to be on three hour conference calls on a Saturday. I don't want to have to be flown in to put out fires. Yeah. You know, like I just, I, she just wants to write. And uh, I think for me, because I grew up playing sports and I like, you know, like I like coaching and I taught tennis and it's like, I love, um, I love sort of what a new role br- like this brings in yeah. terms of being able to, um, to, I don't know, like help younger people, I guess. I don't know if I'm doing that yet, but you know, at least attempt to, um, to kind of come at things from a little more of a managerial perspective. And also, you know, being, being in, in more, you know, um, more higher up meetings and, you know, having, you know, being more client facing, all that stuff. Um, I think it's the toughest thing about that, just looping back to what I was talking to my boss about was mm-hmm. you're not writing all the time. And I think it also depends on like what, you know, ACD and CDs are at different shops. I know at some sure. shops, they're just sort of glorified senior teams at some shops, you know, like, I, you know, Droga, we tend to, um, I feel like you tend to do the job a little bit before you get promoted, which right. is which is kind of nice because you get a taste for what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, the new challenge is just kind of like figuring out how to talk to people about how to make work better um, versus just doing it yourself. Because a lot of times, it's yeah. really easy to look at, you know, um, look at a script or look at something and say like, oh yeah, that's cool. No, no, no. I, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me take it and I'll just rewrite it. You know, you just rewrite right. it like you would, but that's not helping them. And honestly, it's kind of lazy. Like right. it's being able to sit with them and talk about, well, this is, you know, like this is what could make it better. I mean, it makes you really think through things and it's, right. it's harder than you think it is. I mean, it's, you always think like, well, when I get to this position, you know, you have a lot more empathy for, for creative directors that you've had in the past. Um, right. because you, you know, a lot of times things look easier. And again, like, you know, it's, it's sort of a newer thing for me, but, um, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. But it, the urge to, I like to write. So the, you know, not always having all of your time writing is, um, is, uh, is definitely an adjustment, but you know, it's fun. Well, I totally empathize with what you're saying about when I moved into a more manager position, um, and my voice is like totally still wavering because we just had a like, total coughing fit, but I'll push through. Um, <clears throat> the whole aspect of teaching someone to do it versus just doing it yourself. Yeah. Because it, I mean, especially when you're on a time crunch, it's like, you're like, I can just bang this out. It's great. It's fine. But um, yeah, it's not doing them any favors, obviously, in their growth, but also <clears throat> eventually you want to start to hand off some of those things so that you can be freed up to do all those other upper level things that you want to do. So yeah, <clears throat> it's like, where do you put that time and how it's going to pay off later? You well, know? And it's also tough too. It's like, cause you know, nobody would do, not everybody does things the way you would do them and that's right. okay. And that's right. good. And that's why, you know, it's, it's tough. Like I, 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 I've learned a lot from, you know, my creative directors at Droga, um, <clears throat> just different levels of them, just figuring out, just watching them work and watching, like seeing how, you know, you can tell that maybe they don't like an idea, but if you have, you know, somebody that, you know, I think the idea of giving everybody the benefit of the doubt, 
um, and just sort of this might not be the way I do things, but then it could end up being better, right, you know. Right, right. And then you can learn <clears throat> something. Like I think I remember for me, one of my favorite things was always when I had a creative director that I liked and respected look at a script and change it to make it better. Like actually seeing something be made better is awesome because then you've just learned something. Right, right. And I think that you know if you can if you can figure out how, I think the goal is to like figure out how to do that for other people. Cause it's, it's really cool. And it also empowers them. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody wants to have their work just kind of taken from them and just rewritten. Right. right. <clears throat> yeah. If you can like see the actual change, <clears throat> which is the challenge for the manager. Cause it's like, you kind of have to like think in real time yeah. instead of like, okay, let me sit with this for a second and then yeah. I'll come back to you. But I used to do that with, um, it's a little little bit more obscure, but for like presentations. So like yeah. a junior would come, they would bring me the like section of the presentation that they were responsible for. <clears throat> and what I what I started to do was sometimes I would go through it with them like in real time and be like, Okay, here's what I would change and explain why. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if it was like we were on a time crunch, yeah. I would make the changes and usually it's like subtle things, like you know, like you said, like not everyone creates the same things the way you do. And yeah. so I know for me specifically, like, in terms of, like, writing in decks, I'm, like, kind of particular about yep. things. Um, but so even if I, would like, made some, like, minor changes, I would try to schedule time after the presentation and to, be, like, that's actually let me walk really, through. That's a really good, that's a really good point. I, sh- I feel like I should do that. Because there, there are times where, like, you know, you can't sit for an hour. Yeah, you're just and like, you're just let's like, just go. You know, if it's not, if maybe, maybe it's on you, you know, maybe you're not doing a good enough job in the time that you have to to communicate what you want. <clears throat> right. And, you know, you got 10 minutes to get it in a deck. It's like, ah, just give me the script. I'll just, you know, but I think that's a really good thing that I hadn't thought about is taking time afterwards to, yeah, to actually like, talk through and say, this is why we did this and right. it's no reflection on you. It's probably a reflection on me. We didn't right, have right. time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So just so they have like an understanding. Yeah, that's a really good thing. What the changes yeah. were make those learning moments (laughs) all right let's finish up with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given i was thinking about this Mm -hmm. um there's it's always a two-parter um i think um hmm best piece of advice i've ever been getting given one of them is pretty practical um when you are getting interviewed or when you're looking to take a job i would say try to find out and whether that's asking openly, although I can admit that that would sound kind of awkward and ask like you're, or, or it might come off like you're asking for a compliment, even though it's not, but um, ask what they like about your book mm. and what work kind of speaks to them for lack of a better term. Um, because, <laughs> you know, I think you want people to hire you for the work that you like to do. Yep. And I think especially when you're starting out, you do a lot of different types of work and you want to you know show off your range maybe or you want to um show that you can do different types of things and you know I had a professor tell me once I think I was you know putting some some work in my book to show you know oh here's a children's brand or something like Mm -hmm. that you know because I somehow got it in my 23 year old head that that was what (laughs) what I needed to do um and he's like do you want to work on this type of work I'm like well no he's like so don't put it in your book yeah and I think that comes down to the second part of it which is curation I think if you don't like something that you've made, don't put it in your book. Right. Unless you're freelancing. I would say freelancing... Different story. It's a different story because I think people will hire you a lot more for, you know, different levels of experience. Sure. Um, but if you're looking to go somewhere, like, make sure that they, you know, they don't hire you for the one piece of work that you hate. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I think that's that's really important. If they like what you like, 
uh, about your book, you know, the stuff that you're most proud of. I think that's, and then uh, another piece of advice that has always just kind of stuck with me, and I forget where I got it, was just, you're always 30 seconds away from your greatest idea. Mm. And I think that's more just like a motivation piece where like, you know, you feel like, you know, it's like six o'clock and you, you have a review the next morning or you've got a client meeting or something and you feel like you're so far away from anything. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot of time to get a good idea. Right. And once you have one, things can move pretty quickly. So just keeping in mind that like you might not be far from it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, the first point that you made reminded me of something that um, someone else at JL that we used to work with, Alex Romans, told me once because I had emailed him about something about you know advice for students and his quote was <clears throat> something about like that you're putting your book in in career in this agency's hands mm-hmm. so yeah like the reaction to your work is going to be so important like in that interview process and, and that's and why you need to put process. so much of yourself into it because people want to hire a person they don't want to hire someone who knows how to you know, write a zippy headline or, right, you know, right. use Photoshop. Like, the more you can put your outside work in your book, right. the more you can, if you write short stories, if you're a writer, totally. write, put that in there. Like, right. put put everything that's, you want people to kind of want to get to know you or meet you from your book. So I think that's that's a pretty big one. Oh, yeah. And your second piece of advice around, I mean, 30 seconds to your, you know, best work or greatest idea, that, I mean... It's perfect for those scenarios that you were talking about where <laughs> everything take feels it, take hopeless. Take a second away. It does. And yeah. that's, and that's you know, the, the final thing I'd say is just, like, I was talking to somebody yesterday who was asking about, you know, like, I only have, he, I guess he was stuck writing in one voice. Yeah. And he's like, how do you, like, switch around? Kind of what you were asking about before. And yeah. I think my main thing is just, like, when you're a junior, you're just out, it's output, output, output. Yeah. You know, like, you're mm-hmm. so concerned with being prolific that you don't input enough. Go see mm-hmm. a movie, go take a walk, go watch something you like. Like, you yeah. can't, that might be the smartest thing you can do if you're kind of stuck on a problem. Mm. I love that. Best place to end. Julie, Perfect. thank you so much. Of course. I'm so glad we got a no, time to chat so and I got fun. to see you. I know. This is well, a good excuse to catch up with people. I know, right? <laughs> just get all my, like, former coworkers in to, so I can catch up with them. Um, my last question is, where can people keep up with you and whatever you're doing? Um, I am... I'm not really on Twitter. Okay. I think I probably posted something back in 2012. I would not direct you to it. Um, and my website isn't really updated either, actually. But um, I don't know. I mean, people people can you can find me on Instagram. Uh, yeah. It's Julie K. Cam. Uh, it's uh, probably lots of photos of my friends' kids and of uh, good food, maybe. Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's about it all right well thank you again so much no of course thank you there's nothing quite like catching up with someone that you started out with and seeing where they've taken their career a big thank you to julie for passing on all that media advice i mentioned this in the last weekly but if you haven't seen it yet we released our 2018 reader survey results uh in a medium article and it was so amazing to see the responses that came back. It helped me understand who is out there reading and listening, but also what they're looking for as they start their careers and how they use and view We Are Next as a resource. So thank you so much to everyone who responded. I hope you enjoy the results as much as I enjoyed going through them. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. 
And while you're at it, sign up for our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and that you're able to wade into the things that make you uncomfortable instead of shying away from them. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.